It is not only what we do, but also what we do not do for which we are accountable. Moliere. Bending Not Breaking, Season 5, Episode 13, Darkness Falls. Welcome to another episode of Bendy Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And we are super excited to get so back. So excited. We, it's, it's so, it's unbelievable we're already almost through season two of Korra. Can you believe it? Um, One that I think with our rewatch, we've been like, there's some really wonderful moments. and Really, really I, beautiful moments. <laughs> the fact that this is like consistently considered the worst season of Avatar, like Avatarverse period. Pretty good for a low bar. Mind, <laughs> is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, but we've got a, we got a lot going on today, yeah, including do. a special guest. That's and right. So Ben, who do we have with us today? Yeah, everyone, we are really excited to welcome Antoine Bondelet. Uh, he is a writer, audiobook publisher, and most importantly, an avatar YouTuber. Antoine uses he/him pronouns, and he's appeared on several avatar-related channels, including the official Avatar: Last Airbender YouTube channel and. The Braving Elements podcast, which is super neat. So we are very excited to have Antoine. Antoine, how are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me. And also, I wanted to touch base and say that I totally agree. Because I, when it came back to Netflix, Korra, I did like a, a rewatch. And in rewatching book two, thinking that, oh, yeah, I remember this being like this terrible thing. It's totally not. And 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 it's funny that you guys said that that if this is the bar of like the lowest tier of Avatar, that it's like, uh, that's amazing. That's a that's a testament it's to amazing. how great the, the entire series is. Because yeah, it's not at all a ter- there are decisions in, in it that I don't agree with, mostly with uh Korra's sort of arc and development, but overall it's you know, it's still a I, I challenge other fans to show me another animated work that came around this time that stands on par with it and most don't here and here. most can't you know <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's because it's still incredibly it feels incredibly relevant still watching Absolutely. it right now 10 years mm-hmm. later 10 years down the line and you're still like what this still feels very much like if this show came out today Super it, awesome. it, like exactly <laughs> the way it was i think people would still be you know clamoring for it yeah absolutely mm. so antoine you like our our fans who don't know you, which you know, you know, poo poo on them, I guess. But the ones who don't know you that want to, yeah, know you, fans, <laughs> how dare you? Uh, what do you talk about when on your in your Avatar videos? I know you have several different kind of themes under which you talk about Avatar on your YouTube, but I, I'd love for you to kind of share what you're all about. Originally, I got into it via this series called the Versus series, which initially it was bigger with like the Star Wars scene. And there was like, like a lot of Star Wars YouTubers during that time because it was like yep. 2014, 2015 when the 
Disney you know, acquisition happened and so a lot of people were getting back into Star Wars. And so I was doing a lot of that. And I was like, well, I'm not just into Star Wars. Like, I'm into other stuff as well. And I, you know, I was like, why don't people do uh, versus for, you know, because there's a difference between versus like what Death Battle does where they cross over yeah. every time. But there's a difference in in that I did, you know, within universe versus. Um, and so, you know, I started with a lot of just, you know, matchups. I think the first one I had was Katara versus Amon. By the way, uh, don't watch those old videos. They're really crap. Um, like, don't watch anything. <laughs> Pat, like, 2017 and onward are the ones I recommend to most people because sometimes people will find older videos and be like, what is this guy talking about? And blah, blah, blah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I started with that, and then I started expanding out to, like, other types of videos, you know, like um, video essays and um, what I call geek talks of just talking about different topics from the world uh, of Avatar. And then Kyoshi came out, and that was like a, a the Kyoshi novels, I should say, uh, came out, mm -hmm. and that was a, a big push uh, from my channel as well because that was 2019, and then leading into 2020 when the both series returned to Netflix, yeah, was a huge upswing um, for my channel, and I think at the time I had was like the only person online that had the uh, uh, review for the Kyoshi novels, and I was like its biggest fan and and telling everyone they needed to read those, and 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 that's awesome and how deep it went um so yeah i i did that and yeah i do all these other things as well but yeah, yeah all avatar awesome. based talks i love it and i'm i'm excited because a lot of i was like snooping through those videos getting ready for this episode and there's so many little topics where i'm like oh man i want to know more about that and then i was like i want to know more about that and so you just you pick a lot of uh important things up so i definitely recommend people go check that out for sure um so that's kind of bringing us to today's conversation. Let's, with, yeah, let's yeah, talk some Korra. So we're talking about the lens of accountability today. And you kind of brought that as your, your lens choice. And I'd love to know why. Like, what is the reason you chose accountability? And what does accountability kind of mean to you? Uh, it's funny because um, in doing that, I was using it more from like outside the Avatar world because of the critique that is laid upon Korra at the end of this episode, which I'm sure we're going to get to and, and discuss, is the reason why I brought up accountability because uh, uh, the way it's placed on certain characters, I think, it, it is unfair and, and, and unjust when they should be placed on others uh, in terms of like you know responsibilities of outcomes. Um, yep. <clears throat> but um, but again, we'll, we'll talk about that. But in, in doing that, I mean, even just looking at it. I almost forgot about the B plot um, in this episode uh, that relates to uh, Tenzin and his brother and sister, and um, what that goes through, and then also just the the weight of accountability, the weight of responsibility, um, and, and how to oh, overcome that. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, cool, I did that by accident, but then like you know, <laughs> rewatching the episode, I was like, oh, actually, that does it. Still, it still fits. It totally fits for the entire episode. Yeah. There's a lot there. I'm really, I'm really excited to kind of dive into it. But before we do, we have to remind everybody who's listening mm. what's going on in the episode. So mm. Sunshine has the pleasure of recapping this episode in 30 seconds. Totally love it. It's my favorite segment. It's my favorite segment mm -hmm. when you do it also. All right. All right. Sunshine, are you ready? No. On your mark. <laughs> Get set. 
Go. Kor sends Unalak out of the spirit world and sends Mako and Bolin to protect the entrance. Boomy, Kai, and Tenzin go search for Jinora across, uh, and come across a giant angler spider scorpion. Uh, Korra and Vatu then go at it and fight a bunch, and then Tenzin and crew bump into Iroh, and Tenzin gets the idea to go back to the angler spider scorpion and get himself sent seconds. to the fog of lost souls. Uh, Unalak gets back and merges uh, with Vatu, takes Rava out of Korra. Tenzin loses everyone in the fog, but the clarity who, uh, who he is gains, uh, gains his family back and, and makes the fog go away. Eska and Desna free Bolin and Mako as Bolin makes a heartfelt plea. So close. And then Unavatu throws a temper tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, though. That's, uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. You know what's funny about yes. that? I was actually talking about you about this offline, about you guys. You guys should have a YouTube channel. And that's funny because what I'm doing right now is a series for the YouTube shorts that came out. And I do like a recap of every episode under 60 seconds so like that i had that same thing for the, the challenge of trying to keep it under the time limit yeah and the difference between 30 seconds and 60 seconds it's ridiculous yeah it's yeah, like it's quite, some it's would say it's double <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, one might say it's double yeah as an expert are you interested in kind of showing sunshine up a little bit yeah. do you, you want to offer a 30 second recap for yourself no that's the thing i can't because i'm used to doing 60 seconds <laughs> 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 okay no worries no worries well again if you want to go see some of those i definitely recommend going to check out the 60 second recaps on youtube um that way you can get a little bit more if you want to dive in right a little bit more information yeah okay accountability we're talking about accountability today mm -hmm. so let's jump right in okay and antoine what is the first moment of accountability that you kind of want to lift up for us to discuss in this episode um uh, well if we're starting from i mean most of it comes on the back end of the of sure. the episode versus the the front end so i don't know how like jumping around you're okay with jump or... where you please yeah. jump, jump all over please. the okay. place yeah. so um okay i'm gonna start with yeah just the huge jump um and the reason why i even like came up with this in the first place um the very end, of course, um, is <clears throat> if you ask the fan right now, you're like, Who, whose fault is it that the uh, the past lives are are now diminished and not part of you know uh, the avatar going forward uh, from from Korra? And you'll likely get the answer of, oh, well, it's Korra's fault. It's totally Korra's fault. But and 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 the reason why it, that bugs me so much. Um, is because one, I mean, it's it, it's not solely her fault. Really, it's not her fault. I mean, it's not like she pulled Rava out of herself and destroyed her. It was a some certain other person who we see on screen delivery uh, de deliberately doing that, and that's Unavatu Unalak, however you want to, Dark Avatar uh, Unalak, however you want to call him at this stage, uh, who who is solely responsible for that very act. Content warning for anyone who doesn't want to hear any topics about. Uh, allusions to sexual abuse or anything like that. So I guess in the like, next 30 seconds to 60 seconds, just skip forward. Uh, but the biggest thing that always bugged me about that moment in the episode, um, and as it relates to accountability, is that <clears throat> that act is very similar to the sort of victimization that we get for, for um, females who get into sexual abuse situations and who do we blame first? Typically, you know, it's like the female who was wearing, you know, the certain whatever, but not the male who's doing the act. Um, and in that same regard, that's what I kind of read from this here in terms of like the, the outside scope of, of the fans and how they reacted to it, where you have this man who is literally ripping out <laughs> this this piece 
of Korra and destroying, you know, her yeah. identity, basically. And yet yes. the, 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 the outcry you hear, um, at least uh, from the haters and, the, 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 and, and that sort of thing, isn't, <laughs> oh, it, it's Unalak's fault. What a terrible person. You know, it's, oh, no, Korra, how dare she put herself in that situation? Which, I, that just, it really just boils my, my, my skin in that. Um, and that the accountability should have been placed on Unalak, who was doing the act, not on Korra, who was, could victim. do nothing about that. Yeah, a, completely a victim yeah. in that situation. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> manipulated from the very beginning. Yeah, even yeah, from that. Like, she was gaslighted, like, from the beginning of the, the series, uh, this season, it, I should say. Yeah, which is, and I think that lifting this up as a as a way to talk about the way that we talk about fiction and the way that we process media the way that we see a lot of those things and talk about these things can be indicative of the way that we approach those situations in the real world. And often is. And often is. And so, I, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're talking about, you know, Rey in Star Wars or Korra in Legend of Korra, the way that people are approaching those those conversations is typically indicative of, of the way that they engage with that outside of it. And so I think you're right to lift that up, right? If we are victim blaming Cora, and that is uh, something that people fight tooth and nail about. Like, it's not even yeah. just like, a, oh, yeah, it was kind of Cora's fault, but whatever. It's like people are adamant about she's the she's worst. The worst. This is why it's her this. fault. And that is really I, like I challenge people to process why that feeling is there. Um, and if you are projecting that elsewhere when you are engaging with the world around you. One of the things I'll say about that also is we have had a history of being more present on social media uh, in the past. And during that time when we were posting videos, there were several times where we posted videos about this victim blaming situation that happens. And the, the vitriol in the comments around this is really kind of terrifying because there are so many people who not only are vehemently believing that Cora is indeed the perpetrator here, but are also doubling down and like saying, when we come back with an argument saying it was Unalak's fault, is no, you're just taking it too seriously. It's just a show. And <laughs> you can't have it both ways, right? Like, you, like, it always fits the argument of the people who are trying to, to hate on Cora here. And it's really interesting. And that's part of the reason I'm not so present on social media as much. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. And that's one of the things I like about Korra the most, that it actually stirs, for me, it stirs more conversation because each villain in each season has their own, you know, uh, different ideology that, that challenges uh, Korra, yeah. not just physically, like not just like, a, oh, we have to defeat the Fire Lord at the end of the summer. You know, it, it, it's 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 really about like, what does it mean politically socially to be the avatar and that's what i enjoy the yeah. most about this show it, it is is these themes that are brought up these very deep themes so that kind of brings up a question for me in terms of accountability that i want to ask for for the for this group so what in terms of what what can we hold cora accountable for then right because i am very much behind what you're saying antoine with it is this is unalak's fault from the beginning he has been trajecting this this direction that's i don't think that's a word but anyway he's been going this direction and he's been trajectory yeah there's <laughs> this has been the trajectory but it's one of those things where 
it's not been Korra's fault. However, because of her title as the Avatar, because mm-hmm. of the, quote, responsibility of the Avatar, and that being her, what does it mean? And where does that, what, where is the line in terms of accountability? Um, I'm glad you're I, bringing that up. <clears throat> yeah, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I am not, um, I guess some, as some people say, a Cora apologist, because I do still hold her accountable for the things that she does do poorly. And I think I mentioned that earlier, too, that, you know, the book two being like, you know, isn't that terrible? It is. But I am still, you know, frustrated with some of the things that was going on with Cora, because I feel like especially in the earlier parts of the of this season, it seemed like she kind of reverted back to what she was in in book one, where she went back to that hard headed nature, um, not really mm. listening all that much. And I was like, oh, isn't this things she learned already in book one? Why are they pushing her back? And you know there's all these production woes that happen behind the scenes with with Cora um, that that play into it. But um, but ultimately, I still like we only can see the result in the product. So that's what I am critiquing. Um, and yeah, Cora has always been really good at, I mean, as she says, I think at the very beginning, very good at the bending arts, but not very good at like, you know, the social part or being like, you know, this diplomat <laughs> between yeah. people. Right. And then that, that was deliberate. That, that, that is what, um, uh, Brian Conisco specifically wanted to do. She was basically supposed to be an anti Um And that's what I, I actually, what I appreciate about Cora the most, um, because I feel like, I have a more engaging experience watching a flawed character going through these, mm. like me. Like I don't think I would put my like, especially in this season because you know she's put between um, the water tribes. She is of the water tribe, but she's also the avatar, and she's supposed to be you yeah. know this great balancer. But at the same time, it's like, but no, that is my people group. You know, like so. There's all these difficult questions, and again, like I said, again, Cora is really good at presenting these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, but again, I do think that Cora has this really, really a huge flaw represented most, you know, in her relationship with Mako this season, um, mm. where she's just not very good at communicating. And, and that's something that, you know, she needs to learn better. I don't think something either that, of them are very good at communicating, well, yeah, no, to be I, fair. <laughs> I, and that, that's why they're such a terrible pairing, because, like, those two sorts of personality clash don't really work too well. And why, you know, her certain relationships that happen later in the, in, in the series are a bit better and more healthy. Um, because, you know you need that kind of yin yang sort of, you know, in, in relationships uh, sometimes. Um, and I lost my train of thought of what I was going to say before, after that, I was going to wrap my, my thoughts. I forgot. So go ahead and continue on yeah, from there. So Sorry I, about that. I, I'm interested in kind of what you're lifting up because w- one of the things you're pointing to is Cora and her kind of uh, relapse, so to speak, into her prior behavior. Just so real. Which, and that's what I was going to say. That is like, how in, how true is that of us also? That when we get into this, like the world's about to end. The, the world is about to go into 10,000 years of darkness. That weight is on her shoulders. I have like such sympathy and empathy and just the feels for being like, yeah, that's really hard. I think I would probably relapse into all my negative behaviors too. Because I mean, to get to your question of like, what do we hold her accountable for? Yeah, I think it's because we hold people accountable for the decisions that they make. Are they making them with you know uh, what pieces of information do they have when they make it? What's the intent when they make it? Yeah. What is the impact of those decisions? And when we we always kind of we we say a lot of like, be aware, be try to process what you did or what you're doing and. Really, it's that thing. She has to go through her decision-making process and figure out if she would make those same decisions with the information that she had, not with hindsight. What does that mean? Did she cause harm? 
did she not cause harm? All, like, all of these things play, and then we continue to work to be better as we move forward. Yeah. Um, and for her, ultimately, yeah, should she have not gone with Unalak at the very beginning of the season? Probably not. Yeah, but but, again, but she, she learned, but she, right? And she learned right, from she that. did learn and a she, valuable thing from him that she wasn't getting from her other instructors. Exactly. And and with that, I think it's, you know, would she do it again? Who knows? But I think she's she's not causing the harm that Unalak is choosing to cause. Yeah. And I think that's the, the big thing no. with this is Unalak is the one who has been abusive. Unalak is the one who has been abusive to his own children. Yeah. Um, and through this process, if you, you have to... When someone is causing others harm, they are choosing to do that, and it is not the fault of the person who is being caused that harm. Yeah. I think also it's important to underscore the fact that Cora is still a child. Right. Right? And what I'm hearing, even in the undertones of our conversation, is that we are expecting something in terms of their capa- and Cora's capacity to change and save the world and we are putting that burden on a child granted this is the avatar and they have you know a thousand lifetimes ten thousand lifetimes of experience in the avatar state that is helping them and aiding them and this is a child and i think that it is irresponsible of all of the adults in the history of this world to to expect so much from a child and to hold them accountable for that i think that's ridiculous where are the adults where is the White Lotus? Why aren't they better trained to do things in this regard? <laughs> we know the White Lotus. Uh, there, there's been a falling off of the White Lotus in their quality uh, <laughs> over the last 60 years. And I'm glad you guys uh, brought that up in particular to the White Lotus, the new White Lotus, and how they've kind of managed the Avatar. Because, yeah, it seems like for, for the first 16 years of Korra's life, she was, I mean, she, she was. She was, like, trapped in, in the, the Southern Water yeah. Tribe in that compound. So it's... Obviously, you're going to get an avatar who's going to be lacking in like some of these social cues or um, uh, some of the diplomacy that is very important for Avatar. Yep. I, I would like to actually revert back to the Kyoshi novels where um, uh, the false avatar Yoon in, in that one um, was yeah. trained extensively in, in, in diplomacy and, and, and why that was so important and how the, the, the antagonist in, in, in that series, uh, how that all plays out in the importance of, you know, just having relationships with, you know, all the different nations and different players and, and, and how that's part of the Avatar's job, too, not just fighting all the time. Um, but it yeah. seems like with Korra and the White Lotus, how they trained her was just seeming like, oh, let's just make sure she's really good at fighting, <laughs> you know, like, but no, like, can we also teach her how to, like, you know, how to sit down in a meeting and, you know, coordinate some stuff? Because that seems to be her issue throughout all the series. Like, you know, when, we're, yes. when she's dealing with uh, Kuviro, she's dealing with, like, the anarchist stuff with, um, so here in the Red Lotus, when she's dealing with uh, the, the Civil War with the Water Tribe. The, it, when she ever comes to the head of, of something like that, that's always where she has uh, her shortcomings uh, show the most. Yeah, so the accountability for the fans who see Korra as, the like, the the person who is responsible for all of, all of this, I think, I think is missing some pretty vital points in how she was raised by the white Lotus and her parents and Tenzin. It was how she was raised and intentionally uh, sculpted. If you were, if you will, it is forgetting the fact that she's literally trying her best to defend from this the entire time. And so like telling the world and saying that it's her fault is perpetuating a culture that 
victim blames. And I think that we're, we're kind of tying in a little knot on this portion of the conversation, but like, I think those are all really important things that y'all are lifting up. And so what's the follow-up for someone that says like, if, if everyone else is accountable for someone's actions, where does personal accountability play into this? And I'm so glad you brought that that up too. Yeah. So, cause yeah, we don't want to like, just let Cora off the hook because obviously like I was saying before, there, there have been lessons that she has been uh, exposed to where she should have, have that growth. Um, But yeah, like where, where that cutoff is, I don't know if I'm too sure where it is, but like we can't we can't just blanket statement say like oh no Cora, Cora did no wrong or whatever, but no no she she did some some wrong too. There's some lesson she specifically stonewalled on. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it, it kind of goes to the same thing of we we don't do it alone. We don't. It it is impossible for Cora to do all of this by herself. And so, you know, a takeaway point for me through this this conversation is when do I have accountability or when do I fail in my accountability when I am participating in inaction? Yes. Right. Um, yes. So, you know, 10 moments where Tenzin doesn't act and, and, you know, we love Tenzin here, but are there things that he didn't do that he's accountable for? Are there, are there things that uh, Eska and Desna are accountable for? I agree. Complicit. Right? Like, <laughs> right. Right. And so um, I think we get these moments that, and if we're if we're taking any learning away from this, there there are things that we are accountable for in our lives that we are by even when we do nothing, we are contributing to the harm. Right, and I think it's more of about a collective accountability. It's a world based accountability because it is a lot of smaller decisions that individuals are making that mm. create you know whatever world conflict is, is happening within this world or in our real world. You know. Uh, it's never usually just one individual's grand decision that, that's, you know, changing the world. It's going to be a lot of small ones. You know, like we were saying before, like you have a little bit with Tenzin, you have uh, Desna Eska, you have uh, stuff with Korra, Unalak. You know, all these little bits of decisions, they all add up, you know, to, to the they end do. result. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that's just underlying the importance of I, – I think it lifts up this question of, uh, like, freedom – regarding things like oh but i'm a free person i can do what i want yes but your decision makes an impact on the collective and so when we think about things like masks wearing masks in public and choosing not to because you're quote unquote free to to not do so it's one of those things or like same thing with vaccinations like free to not get vaccinated and things uh, things along those lines and I'm not faulting people for having, you know, good reasons to do any of those things. But what I am faulting is the fact that you are now putting other people in danger because of your choices, right? And so there's a there's a line there where community accountability that y'all are kind of talking about is is really important. And that's what I love about Cora and and Aang. They always have a team behind them that are the voices in their ears saying, hey, you should do this. Hey, you shouldn't do this. We see Aang consult all of the past avatars and realize that they all gave him conflicting information and he made his own choice, right? And it's same thing with Korra. Korra is doing the best you can with the information she has. And that's so the thing too, the information that she has, because you know we as the audience can you know, see, oh, Unalak's a bad guy. He looks really, cre- like, you can tell what's having gone, but, but Cora doesn't Look see Look at that. the way you know they know draw I mean? him, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Cora doesn't see all that stuff. I mean, I mean, it is legitimate, especially at the beginning of the season, why she even goes with Unalak 
you know, when she learns about more of her father and the things that Tenzin were doing. So it's like, yeah, like it's not the path she went down was logical. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So that was just from that one thing that you kind of lifted up. We have gotten uh, a long way. What is there? Is there an, is there another <laughs> moment that you want to lift up? Uh, yeah. It'll be accountability in the episode. Yeah. It will be Tenzin for sure because you know, and What's he's that? always held this heavy weight of the legacy of the last airbender, which is a huge thing. Yeah. It's very similar to Korra and, and being the avatar. You have that same thing sort of mirrored in Tenzin where he, he feels mm. like, Oh man, like it, I'm the only one who's who, who, who has uh, created new airbenders in the world. I'm like the last line of defense for the culture uh, of the air nomads um, at large. Mm. Um, and, and because he's holding that on his shoulders and trying, and that's why he's um, hard headed too. I, I actually don't see too many people, uh pointing that out as much like you know with Korra obviously it's it's very obvious with her but Tenzin as well he, he's very dogmatic in the way that he you know yeah, tries to is. adhere to to um uh air nomad philosophy and, and and all that even to the point where you know he has difficulty getting into the spirit world um because it's funny because yeah he he is um he holds to a lot of airbending ideals and techniques and stuff like that and he's he's a great master um and and yet this one facet be, because he's so tied to the earthly world be- because of this legacy that he's trying to uphold, uh, in turn makes him, at least as a spiritual airbender, um, uh, not as strong as a Janora, um, as we mm. saw in-, in this season. So, yeah, seeing yeah. him bear that on his shoulders and then having that time with uh, his father um, uh, in-, in the spirit world and him, and it almost was like a commentary to the show itself, where it's like, you can't be me. You gotta be your own thing, and I, uh, that always was very Ooh, beautiful to that. me when when that yeah. scene happened for that very reason. Oh, I get chills every time I watch that scene. It is so full of beauty and metaphor and symbolism, and it's just so it's so gorgeous. Well, because we get a moment where he realizes that he is not, you know, responsible to be just like Aang. That that's not that's not on him, and he gets to be his own person. And we see a visual clarity like the fog literally dissipates and moves away and he gets clarity and the ability for him to then help the other people that he loves because of that clarity is i think very real in the way that we navigate yeah that is really beautiful that you can't help others until you first you know have consulted with your inner demons or inner exactly Yes, like, and so my question to that is, to what degree should we be held accountable for our own self-awareness, right? When we are, like, in the world and among the world, right, working with people, and we haven't worked out our own inner demons, so to speak, to what degree should we be held accountable saying, hey, you're, you need to not be doing this job until you work this stuff out on your own? Right. And, and I'm wondering, how do we navigate that line also? Because that's tough. <laughs> what does accountability look like for that? For yeah. me, it's like, I guess when you're interacting with, you know, a certain friend group or just a certain uh, group of people, if you see trends happening within each friend group or how you interact with them uh, or like a, maybe you're a coworker or something like that, if you're hearing the same sort of feedback, like maybe – so here's the thing, uh, like you guys mentioned before that I'm a, a writer, publisher. Uh, so when I write, I typically get beta readers uh, to read my work. And you might get 
you know, one person who has a, a note that you don't agree with. But once that becomes a second, third, fourth, fifth note, I think that's that the time where you're like, okay, let me look within myself and figure out, like, you know, what's going on here. You know, I think it's really important to um, honestly address that sort of thing. Because sometimes when you are presented with some sort of negative trait that you might have, it's it's very easy to just stonewall and be like, no, you're wrong, you know, versus taking a step back and, and, and self-assessing <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. And I think that's really important to lift up. And it kind of makes me think about this this idea of, like you, you mentioned trends that I really like and patterns almost when we see them in ourselves, but also when we see them in other people. And I, I think one of the things that's crucial to accountability is feedback right and and giving each other feedback and giving and again that it goes back to our previous conversation around like doing this in community is so important and it's we can't gain this awareness without feedback like ang was needed to tell tenzin to his face (laughs) that he needed to not try to be him and it's just what a gift feedback can be in a group and in the community and that helps us help each other be accountable. Yeah, no, certainly. I think it's very important, especially when you're talking to someone who has an opposing view, not to villainize that other, because that's the easiest way to to create that fissure between you two. Like you have to, like mm. you guys mentioned before, empathy mm. is, is extremely important. You have to have empathy for, even if something you disagree with, um, with why that person came to that conclusion. You have to really, really try sit down for a bit sometimes with certain topics. And consider, how did this person, because I don't think many people or humans in, in general are are really as different as sometimes we try to make ourselves out to be. Like when we, yeah. when we have all these, we, most of us are, are, are extremely similar. And the reasons we get to certain endpoints is because of a, a bunch of small influences. Like we were talking before about like the world of Avatar, how all those decisions are made by smaller individual uh, things. Mm. And, and it's important to figure out why someone came to their end conclusion versus just, you know, outright attacking them, you know, like that's not the way to start any kind of conversation or debate. Yeah. So again, what I'm hearing from you is this, in order to hold someone accountable well, don't jump to conclusions. Don't go, don't trust that first story you tell yourself, check that story, uh, offer a hypothesis of generosity. What, like, what is the most generous assumption I can make about why this person made this decision? Right. Great question I love to ask myself regularly is, am I approaching this with curiosity or am I approaching this with judgment? Yeah. And if I'm living into curiosity, I'm typically in a better space. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's it's interesting with Tenzin here, too, because Tenzin, like, speaking of, like, just developing self-awareness and being, we should be accountable for our own self-awareness. Yes. And... I think it's interesting that Tenzin's holding himself accountable for who he thinks his father wanted him to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that story matters too. The stories we tell ourselves about what people are expecting from us makes a huge difference in how we engage the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to be critical of and to be curious about also. And and I think that's we gotta hold that story accountable as well absolutely mm. because that goes back into like the shoulds right the uh yeah like i should be this way i should do this thing 
um, as opposed to reframing that and and what you get to do and who you want to be and and the way that you choose to navigate the world, but trying to to really challenge when we believe that I should be this way. Um, Mm. Let that be a a red flag in your mind of like, why am I feeling this way? Let's yeah, let's dive a little let's bit get deeper. Curious. The same way that a red flag pops up when when Unalak does his like, I'm the only one who can help you. Like, okay, like like when you feel like I should do something or I should be a certain way, let that be a a red flag that pops up for sure. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Janora's choice at the end? I love Janora. Um, because is she is, you know, she's been stuck in the spirit world for. You know, a couple days probably feels a little bit longer when you're in that fog. Yeah, um, I bet. She chooses to then continue to go help Cora afterwards, right? Yeah. I sense that something something is wrong. Here's a light spirit to guide y'all out. I'm going to go. And she apparates, right? <laughs> is that what she does? <laughs> yeah. I assume that's what it is. A little flu powder. Blue or powder, or powder, disapparate. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I yeah. never knew the difference between apparating and disapparating. Oh, one's when you disappear and one's when you appear. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. So she, well, but she I fades, guess it's so the she, context. She fades. Um, she's she's making a choice to then continue. I think it kind of plays back into that. Sometimes inaction can cause harm, and she's viewing it right now as I need to go be active in this solution. My inaction right now would cause harm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that's like, I don't know if she's the one. Now, we, we if we do know how helpful she is later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's still, again, when you go back to like, we're asking a child mm-hmm. to do this. To be fair, no one asked her to do it. That's right. This is like the first time we're like, oh, she's not actually she's asked choosing, to do this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's just interesting because we saw that play. We saw Tenzin struggle with that earlier in the in the season of uh, wh- what's his ability as a parent, and what's yeah. his he's got to be accountable for her safety versus like that is such a tight line to to try to navigate, and one that I'm certainly happy that I don't have to navigate <laughs> regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just an interesting moment because they're you know. Did she have to do that? Would she have been considered a bad person for not doing that? Um, It's interesting that you ask it that way because I actually want to tie that question to Iroh at the beginning also Mm -hmm. because he comes and offers them a warning and says, hey, things aren't going well in the spirit world right now. You should probably go. (laughs) And I wonder if he felt accountability there for like if I don't say something to them. Am I going to be held accountable or like, does that make sense? Am mm-hmm. I responsible for this? Because he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Right. But, but he did. And it's the same way that Janora did. So I, I'm curious, Antoine, for you, like how, how what, it, what's coming up there? What, what, what does this lift up for you? For Janora? Janora, Iroh, and just the accountability question when inaction is just as important as action. That one I don't have as much for because I don't really uh, – since I know everyone, like, really, really loves Janora, but I never actually understood, like, the the huge fandom that was uh, behind her. I mean, she's an awesome character and a very sweet little girl, but I never I never what? got – yeah, I never understood, like, the the fervor behind uh, the yeah. Janora stands. Um, but in terms of, like, in action, just in, in, in an overall sense, um, yeah, certainly, like, it, um, in action can be – almost more important <laughs> than, than, you know, I mean, we see it later with, with, with Toph and um, with others who kind of cut themselves away from 
um, the worldly concerns and things like that. Um, it's true. And how you, it's true. you can't really do like thinking that, oh, well, if I don't get involved, then I won't have to worry about those issues and situations. But eventually that stuff is going to come around um, and affect you, you know, um, yeah. if you if you don't um, meet it um, head on. Um, but yeah, point. in terms of Janor himself, yeah, I don't, I don't have as much thoughts on, on, on that. I think I think that is a wonderful point. Like Janora knows that if she doesn't go help in this moment, that it's not like she can avoid it later, right? Mm. That something's going on, and and she needs to go be a part of that. And I think that we, how often have I not done that, right? How often have I ignored something happening in front of me, or ignored harm being done, thinking that it didn't play and it wasn't involved. I wasn't involved in it. Um, yeah. When yeah. When reality is when we don't challenge those things, they come. They're eventually are going. They're going to get to us, right? Like that's and that shouldn't be the necessary like yeah. moral reason that you make that decision. Well, it also reminds me of like voting, right? right? Voting in the election. It's like, oh well, if I don't vote, well, it's still going to th- things will still happen, right? But like, but if you do vote, you you're gonna contribute a lot to what's going to happen, and then you can change the outcome. And I think that. And that's a place of privilege, right? It's if you're exactly, not the one being affected yeah. by those things, that is a place of privilege. Um, and, you know, it would have been easy for Janora not to not make that move, and she chose to make it anyways, I think. Mm. But Janora's, like, uber-wise, like, as we, we, we've seen time and time again. Like, she's wiser than even Tenzin at times, you know? Um, so oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> that was an that easy decision behavior for her. from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was right. <laughs> um. Okay, what are there other moments of accountability in this episode that we want to lift up? I mean, even well, I mean, uh, Desna and Eska, uh, you know, take some responsibility for what their father was doing and and and, and turning against that by uh, freeing Mako and Bolin. I think that was a, a an important moment too, and that's hard to do too when it's your father. You know, like you don't want to believe, you know, your own kin could could be capable of such great evil um but sometimes you do have to come to terms and that's probably even harder i think to to come to terms with that when it is a family member um uh, facing and trying to change the mentality of someone that you've known and loved your entire life you you don't want to go against that you don't want to disrespect that and how do you do that when they're doing something that is you know abhorrent (laughs) like uh, you know that's a difficult thing to do there's a fine line with Desna and Eska here that I, I want to figure out how to weave because I don't want to give them too much credit, right? Because it seems like they only, they only did it when Bolin. After they were attacked. Uh, oh, well, and the yeah, Bolin after thing they too. Were, like, yeah. Oh, after the whole Bolin thing, but also like after they had already gone through all of these things and they were still reluctant to do it. Like Mako lifted this up. Desna was. Uh, Desna was like, he did Desna, almost Desna try to was, let me. Yeah. perish mm, but <laughs> well, yeah like, yeah it, yeah fire straight up gonna let your and son die constantly constantly like not willing to change and not willing to change but you know something i thought about when i was watching this time was it seemed like they continued to look for reasons to not go along with dad they were it seemed like they were more and more aware slowly and starting to put waiting for together. a good enough reason for them to ch- to switch and switch well, over. It's, it's so hard too though when when that's your you know perceived it's, support, right? Yeah. Uh you know, for us in, in those moments, do they control our housing? Do they control our food intake, our resources? And and the ability to challenge that when that is all you know how to um the only route that you know to have those survival needs, like that's a tough 
call. This actually, this moment is one of the my my kind of like downside of this episode. Not that I don't like it because it just I think it hits and can hit so hard for others. Is you have people we see Tenzin recognize that he doesn't have to be his father, Mm. so we get moments of challenging that parentage. But the ability to say, this is the person I've looked up to for my entire life and the person who's been taking care of me, and and I have to grapple with the fact that I'm going to walk through the spirit portal and see them as a literal monster like uh, that is causing destruction and harm in a very literal sense, that is – that is a thing for a child that I do not wish they have to navigate. And we see two children have to navigate that with their parent in this. Yeah. And that is yeah. devastating. It is. Um, so, yeah, that's a, it's a, that is a moment of – because then how do you – I would assume there's blame that pops up after that of, like, we could, probably could have done something sooner to keep this from happening. But, again, mm-hmm. how do you ask a child to – to challenge their parent, especially when they might believe that their life is on the line by doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just had a thought about a mini series that they, they could do about just all about centering on the fog of lost souls and thinking about like an entire episode of like, what, what did Kaya see? What was, what was the thing? What was her, what was her dark? Netflix did that. I would have been much happier. What, what about, I don't need, I don't need a live action show. I think it would be fascinating (laughs) to kind of go into that. Well, I mean, Avatar Studios, that's what's opening up right now. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping all that stuff really pans out because I, I want the, uh, the Kurok like story arc. I want more of like the Avatar history. I want the side story of Cabbage. The Cabbage Cart Man <laughs> turning into Cabbage Corp, right? Like I want, yeah. I just imagine that's like the succession of the Avatar verse. It like <laughs> it turns out it's this huge family debacle, and there's a bunch of like cutthroatness going on in yeah. Cabbage Corp. Full comic and series. I would take, I would, I would eat that up absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of accountability, it seems like Avatar Studios should, you know, be accountable for for some of these really cool story ideas that we keep on popping out for free. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. Well, there's one thing, uh, there's one low point that we have not mentioned yet. Um, and it, it is uh, going back on Avatar Studios and just the creators and the responsibility that they have. And um, that is, that's the live string that happened between uh, Desna and Bolin. And um, excuse me, did we need to see that? The little saliva strain that like comes off the lips. <laughs> yes, it's a, little, it's a little too real. It's a little too 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 real, guys. Too real. It brought me back to high school. I, yeah, it's like a, a you know little. I'm gonna assume that's just like water from the. Like, yeah, let's just it's water. It was water. Tears. Yeah. But yeah, a little, little graphic there, animators. So irresponsible uh, to show us that. <laughs> euphoria, Avatar style. <laughs> oh my oh, god, god, yeah. Oh, all right. Uh. Any other moments of accountability we want to touch on before we take our break? I think we got the we got the big core moment, we got the tens and stuff, we got the the father son parentage related fog of our souls. I think I think that I think that I think that was it. Let me see. Let me see. Right. I feel Iro, we talked about Iro. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Fantastic. Well, we'll take oh, a Zhao. break. There was Zhao. We, we, we didn't really mention Zhao, but oh, I mean, that, there's not that Zhao. much there. There's not well, that much. The, it's just cool to, when you think about the fact that he was devoured by a spirit koi, right. and that's where he that's where he landed. That's 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 a really fun kind of connection piece. So I think the only thing that it does beg the question for is 
who are the arbiters of justice here? And <laughs> is this is this a real uh, is this a fair punishment? <laughs> uh, does he killed the moon, Ben? Yeah, I was gonna say killing the moon. Uh, hmm. I think life in the fog of lost souls for anyone seems like a lot. Yeah, it's like yeah, solitary uh, confinement, right? It's not actually about it's, rehabilitation. It's, it's just it's about not punishment. Worse. It's it's almost worse than Azkaban. Yeah. It's similar to Azkaban, right? Instead of Dementors, it's this fog that causes you to live in your worst memories. Azkaban's where the Battle of Helm's Deep took place. Oh my God, you're the worst. Uh, no, oh my God, I'm off. You just threw me off. I, what just happened? No, no, but it's bad. And so, so the Fog of Lost Souls is bad and I really struggle with it. And there were a lot of people in there and I worry that, you know, some lonely soul happened to just come across a spider and the spider was mad that day and threw them in the Fog of Lost Souls. Oh my God, yeah. Angler, and, spider, scorpion. Right, and I'm just sitting here going like, this seems like we should be questioning this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good commentary on, you know, justice systems and and, and jails, prisons, and that sort of thing. Because um, I do, I mean, at least in the U.S., we do have this issue of, we have, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, we incarcerate the highest percentage of our own citizens against anyone else in the world. Um, oh, by, I think. I think by a large by margin. I don't know for sure. Even, yeah. It's not even close. I don't know yeah. for sure, but I'm almost certain that that is the case. And 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 the issue with our our a lot of our prison systems is that it really isn't about rehabilitation a lot of the times. And there there is in some cases that there are some programs out there where you know people do come out better, but a lot of times they don't. Um, they 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 come out for yeah. for worse. Um, there's actually a really good series called The Night of on HBO. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or watched it yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you have? Okay. And, but it was a case of this kid who couldn't afford to get out of jail because he was falsely accused of murdering a girl. And he came out worse because he was in the jail system. And to survive that system, you got to be kind of hard. And you kind of got to lose you know, a little bit of your soft edge. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah that, and that's the same thing that we have here with the, the, the Fog of Lost Souls, that you're just kind of just – it's just you're put there and you're punished. But there's nothing there to – like, that'd be great if maybe there was, like, a the fog spirit was teaching you lessons about how to be better and why, you know, it's it's not good to kill the moon or, you know, whatever it is you were being punished for versus just being mm. sent there and just, oh, we're just going to forget about you. You just sit yeah, here just in this in this cage, right? And and then that that's just how it is for you for the rest of, the, of your days. And in general, too, not even just, um, you know, the the uh, the prison system, but just in the way that we discipline children or, or anything Absolutely. like that. You know, it shouldn't just be about the punishment. There really should be a conversation there about why it is you're being punished or, or how to do better, not just, you know, go to your room, <laughs> you know, you're done, you're on timeout, taking away your phone. There, there needs to be that that element there of um, yeah, how to do better <laughs> and not just, here, here. you know, cast away. Yep. We should vote and hold ourselves accountable to change the system. That's what I'm going to end with. <laughs> Tear it all down. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what we'll do is we will uh, enjoy a nice little musical interlude, and we'll be back shortly with our final segments.
had a lovely, uh, you know, session where we kind of paused and thought about these next couple segments together, and I'm excited to bring them to you. We're going to start with our, our, you know, seasons segment that has been changing names, and this this episode we're going to be got? calling it Strikeouts and Home Runs, because I love sports. Not really. I don't like sports. Sometimes strikeouts can be a good thing, depending on what side you're on. Well, and home runs this, can be a bad thing depending it, on what side you're on. Well, in, in this, in so this, in this case, we're we're gonna say that strikeouts are not great, and we're gonna say that home runs are are great. So you're you're positioning this as like the batter, the person who's doing the hitting. Yeah. So what I not would say, so much the pitcher who would be throwing and hoping for a strikeout instead of a home run. Yeah, I would say a strikeout is a, the equivalent of a cranny, and a home Hate run it. is I, the equivalent of a nook. And I don't. Yeah, it's my least favorite. Yeah, I said I, that because you were intentionally being a little jerk, so I wanted to... Sir, <laughs> I would never. All right, uh, who wants to share first? What is the... You can go with either your strikeouts or your home runs. Who would like to share first? I'll go first. Um, wait, wait, wait. It. Are we considering strikes the highs? Nope. No, I'm not right? right? being difficult. I, I was being uh, intentionally <laughs> okay. obtuse. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so my home run um, is actually a low point for uh, the characters, but I think is actually a high point for, for me in terms of just appreciating. Ooh, meta. Yeah. So, okay. So the home run for me is actually the destruction of the past lives. Um, and I'll explain why. Wow. <clears throat> Now, the reason for that is because I always felt like Avatar, um, one of the biggest impacts I had when in the first season, in particular with Amon, like I felt that when Lin Bei Fong got her bending taken away, it was the closest thing to a character death to me because it, it, it oh, felt wow. that way. It was very impactful. That is the same thing that I felt with the past lives being severed. And the reason why I appreciate it so much is because there was actual consequences um in the world like you know you can hear about this you can hear roku mm. telling you all day long oh you're in danger if you you're in the avatar state and you know something goes bad you can hear that all the time and be like okay that's a that's a factor that's a factor but to actually see it happen and it and it stick in particular because they could have easily at the end of the episode you know some more janora magic or some spirit who comes in and repairs their past lives no they 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 hold true to that story decision and i've always really respect that and really appreciate it um mm. that moment in the episode because it made the world feel so much more impactful and that the consequences in the world were so real now in terms of beautiful in terms of a strikeout um it gotta be that saliva string y'all it's gotta be that saliva string <laughs> <laughs> but, but more seriously though um it, I, the low point for me would be the weird relationship between uh, Bolin and, and Desna and that it, I always felt, felt it weird. was kind of weird that he legitimately was saying that from the bottom of his heart versus like, you know, uh, playing that yeah. up. I was like, really? Like uh, one of my biggest critiques of Avatar, and I mean across the entire franchise, except for Kiyoshi that does this very well, is um, relationships. I think that is one of the uh, biggest opportunities mm -hmm. they have uh, to do better with. Um, whether we're talking, even we're talking about like Beric and Julie, like I think that's a really weird yep. uh, dynamic that comes up later, or, you know, Bolin and, and, and Esco, or um, all the other relationships that I, you know, have the critiques of. But again, uh, read the Kyoshi novels. They have like some of the best like versions of everything in Avatar. And I, not enough people read the Kyoshi novels. And I will, I will They're be so on good. this hill and die on it until every single Avatar fan I know has at least tried it. Because yeah, I think oh, it does so everything 
everything best, though, like, including relationships and just the political scheming and even the bending mm. itself is really awesome. But anyway, um, but yeah, that that would be that would be my here here. You're speaking truth right here. I'm loving it. This is great. <laughs> Okay, Sunshine, what about you? Yep, so I already talked about my low being just the having, like, strikeout. This, right, yeah, the, strikeout. The, the, the low. Stay on theme. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, my strikeout being uh, children having to discover that their their parents yeah. can be monsters yep. in this sense and, and how much that is tough. Yep. Um, my my home run, uh, which is not my favorite part. It's not my favorite moment in the show. I think the Tenzin in, in, in the fog is arguably – my favorite moment. Um, I love that little mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the same one. No, it's not. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, it's so a little bit of comedic, comedic love. There. I just, it's just, but it also feels like super out of place. It's just like totally chill. Just like, yeah, no, that's me. Okay. <laughs> I've watched you guys pass yeah. me three times now. It was really funny. Yeah. 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 So it's the most entertainment I've gotten years here for that. Here <laughs> yeah, for that know, character. Right? Oh my God. What about you? Oh uh, yeah. For me, uh, my strikeout is I, I agree. This relationship that Bolin has is really uncomfortable for me. And I, I, I I'm struggling to really articulate why, uh, it, and it's because there's a lot of weird dynamics that feel really unhealthy to me. A lot of lack of consent. A lot, lot of like, yeah, and it just doesn't force behaviors. Doesn't feel good at all. And I'm, I'm just, I struggle with it. And I, I part of the reason is I, I, I don't know how to articulate it really, really well. And, and I think that that is challenging me in a way that I, I, I like being challenged, but I don't like that it's being challenged in this way because it feels kind of grody. Um, that's where I'm at with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my home run is similar to you, Antoine, in that my the way they they do emotions, like visually mm-hmm. on like Cora's face when you see her struggling as Unalak is hammering away at uh, Rava, and just watching Cora in that, I just like it. Just it's so real. It's almost too real. <laughs> like, it shows, yeah, no, it like I remember feeling having like a visceral reaction yeah. to that moment the first time I watched the series, and honestly, like I would, I would put it up there with like Red Wedding level. It was, like it was painful like, to sit through Red Wedding. So much worse. Yeah. Um. But like, legitimately feeling uncomfortable like while that, watching I, that happen, like, and just watching it, I felt physical. I had a physical response mm-hmm. to watching that scene, and I think that. I love that this show got that out of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love that it felt painful, but it was one of those things where I just I think it was just masterfully done. And how dare the people say that season two is not good? I'm just saying. How, how <laughs> dare how you? How dare you? It's scary to feel that powerless too. And I think we really feel in that moment with Cora of just there's nothing that can be yeah. done. You know, as you're watching it happen, because you know Rob was pulled from you. You don't have the same powers all you can do is sit there and watch and that that's i think the most devastating part of it well i genuinely think that that's why some people don't like this episode this scene this moment is because it makes it's you feel because bad. it makes people <laughs> feel uncomfortable like you are forced to watch this abuse take place yeah. and sit with it and um i don't you know people who don't want to sit through that or feel that or they're like i feel you know icky or this is 
bringing things up, like have an aversion to that and try to push off by saying like, oh, what a terrible show or, oh, this isn't good or, yeah. oh, that's stupid and was her fault and all these things that we. Oh, my God. The home run we, we haven't spoken with. about yet is the freaking music. I mean, that's just Cora throughout mm-hmm. the entire Always. series. But yeah, the, the way the music bop. plucks at your heartstrings in this episode in particular, in the moment that here, we were here. just talking about with the, with the past lives, but even at the beginning, like what, with the, the taiko drums with, when the fight starts up with um Korra and uh Vatu like it just, it just mm. every the music is just like perfection in this series here here agreed yeah absolutely okay that is our segment on highs and lows that we have talked What's about with uh, stay on theme ben strikes and home stay runs. on <laughs> theme hey strikes uh, and home runs i'm going to you're going to strike out in a second uh now we're going to move <laughs> We're going to move to our devotion, and uh, today we're talking about the element of water, and Antoine has brought us this wonderful lens of accountability, and so we're going to talk about our, our goals and our intentions for this coming week uh, with with that frame. So, Sunshine, what are, what are yeah. you planning? What's your intention this week? As we talked earlier uh, about Tenzin and the work that he does so that he's able to help others, I, we, I think we, you know, we've said it before, hurt people hurt people, right? Like yeah. that, that is a thing that happens. Um, and I think the opposite of that is true. I think heal, heal people, heal people. Mm. Um, and so for me, this, this idea of processing and having emotional awareness and taking time for that allowed Tenzin to be able to help others. And I want to make sure that I'm doing the same thing and, and, and taking care of myself. And the reason that I think that that speaks to me is it brings it back to kind of water healing, which mm. like we see that take place throughout the show. And we see that we'll see even more of that throughout um, Cora. But we saw it earlier this season when she gets dropped into that sensory deprivation tank. Um, <laughs> but like it's there's that healing aspect to water. And, yeah. and when we take the time, the necessary time to heal, it allows us to then be more productive in the way that we engage with mm. others. And so for me, it's, putting intention on that this week mm. what am i doing to to take the time to heal um from whatever that. life is thrown at me so far yeah so that's mine okay so mine is also centered around water because you know it's our element for the day but uh i'm thinking about the our the end of our conversation with Zhao and the fog of lost souls and just the accountability and the messiness that is with the <laughs> Uh, justice and when one person makes a decision uh, by themselves what that can look like and I'm I'm really called to this idea of water being a source of life and you know communities gravitate and surround themselves to water like water is the the center uh, of survival and I think that what that does is it shows us that we're also in community with one another so I'm, I'm thinking about how the importance of of, of water is and how it teaches us that we need to rely more on other people and be a little bit more humble and, and to seek um, feedback from other people. And so my goal this week is to kind of feed off of that energy and to make sure that I'm consulting with other people before I make decisions that affect more than just me. Mm-hmm. That's my goal is to make sure that I'm consulting other people um, before I make decisions. Which brings us to you, Antoine. Antoine, do you have an intention that you'd like to share uh, with the element of water and accountability? 
Yes, and not as much with accountability, but perhaps I can swing it back that way. But my uh, the extension of my examination of water in all this what comes via Iroh. In bitter work when he's teaching Zuko and telling um, him that water is the element of change, that the people of the water tribe are capable of adapting to many things, and that they have a dis- mm. deep sense of community, which, again, that's something that you were touching on upon as well, uh, and a love that holds them together. And it's another thing that I talk about on my channel a lot because I actually end all my videos by saying, be water, my friends, and it hurts me whenever someone's like, what is that? What are you saying? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, these kids don't know about Bruce Lee. But obviously, you know, it's a, a, a huge philosophy that was uh, presented by Bruce Lee in a famous um, uh, interview in, in the 70s where he's talking about the idea of water being this very malleable thing. Like it, um, when, it, when it gets poured into a cup, it becomes the, mm. the cup, you know. Um, and, and it's about that adaptation, the same thing that Ira was getting into. And I think that's something that I would want to take into my real world is that <clears throat> I'm always trying to be adaptable to whoever or whomever I am speaking speaking with because I think it's really important like I was saying before to 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 really be able to understand what's going on on the on the other side um and you mm. can't really do that if you're not open to change um because if you're if you're going to be steadfast in whatever it is that you're you're, you're concerned with uh you're, you you can't break through in the same way that you know the smallest crack water can push through, you know, um, or, or, or yeah. whatever they might be. So that that's the big thing is, is making sure to stay adaptable, listening better mm. uh, so that you're more open to change. Mm. Like water. Be water, my friends. Be water, my Be friends. Be water, yeah. Wow. Okay. We, we are, we're going to have a great week. I Just hearing all these intentions that we're just, we're setting ourselves up for success by, by doing this. This is great. <laughs> okay. Uh, which brings us to kind of our final segment, which is probably my favorite segment. A little gratitude. Gratitude. And with a little gratitude. Gratitude. So who who are we grateful for? Who who are the people we're grateful for? Yeah, Antoine, would you like to go first? Yeah, uh, for me, it would definitely be uh, Tenzin this episode. Um, as you were saying, like that was probably maybe moment number two for me in terms of uh, like you know, <clears throat> in terms of a home run uh, is being okay with being your own person um and not mm. having to play to someone else's expectations or what you think someone's other expectations are um uh, there's a very famous not very famous but there's a a quote that i use a lot in the yoruba uh proverb um which is uh my background it's uh, the nigerian people that there's a people group there uh, called the yoruba and it goes um like this we are all differently endowed um uh, oh my God! Wait, I'm gonna screw this up. Hold on, I actually gotta know what the actual quote is before I like uh, screw this up. Hold on, I'm gonna cut that out and hold on. Let me actually like put the because uh, I'm on the spot and of course like when you're put on the spot, it's like no, I'm forgetting the thing yeah, that totally. I just like had my brain on. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> so it goes like this. I can't actually speak Yoruba, so I'm not gonna butcher. It. I'm just gonna do the translation. Um, but it uh, but it goes like this. We are all differently endowed. Be secure in who you are. Envy no one. Um, and I think that's what Tenzin learned, mm-hmm. you know, not to be envious of his father or or try to become his father. When he is Tenzin, he is not Aang. Yeah. Yeah. So really gratitude gratitude chills. to Tenzin and, and, and his, his ability to recognize that and to save his brother yeah. and sister. <laughs> here, here. Chills every time I watch that scene. Fitton, what about you? Yeah, I talked about, I talked about that scene in uh, I think the uh, – authenticity episode of the gifts of imperfection miniseries we did on the podcast just fyi if you want to go back to that <laughs> um for me i'm grateful for cora 
Yeah. And uh, we talked a lot about victim blaming and how Cora, though she is, you know, a character that never has to hear the comments from all of the, the fandom, it is one of those things where I just feel for her. <laughs> and this is a moment that she is in immense pain. She is suffering. She is struggling. She is, this is more than traumatic. This is mm-hmm. truly, she's losing a part of herself. And there is a, a death, as, as Antoine, you had kind of claimed and said. And I, I just am honoring that. And I'm, I'm feeling that with her. And I'm really grateful because this series means so much to so many people. And I'm grateful that she had to endure this. You know, I'm not grateful she had to, but I'm, I'm grateful that we get to be in this with her and be in solidarity with her. And I just, I'm feeling for Cora and I'm grateful for her. It's tough. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm going to go a little... I'm going to give my gratitude to to the duo of Bolin and Mako. Um, and the reason, Brotherly love. And the reason I'm doing that is because at the very beginning of the episode, they get asked or they, they get told like, hey, I need you to, to play this role and to do this thing. And they do it. Um, they could have easily stuck around and been like, we're going to help you fight here and like all that. But they just... They were... They listened to Korra. Uh, they listened to. I do love that. Like yeah. that, she they trusted her and 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 her leadership. And I don't do that all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. And I have I can certainly have a habit of wanting to center myself in situations that aren't about me. And so I admire the ability to say, "Yep, I'm going to sit back and do the be su- be in a support role." Yeah. Um. And so I'm, I'm grateful that, that Mako and Bolin did just that. Here, here. Yeah. I love it. Well, we have successfully gotten through another episode. I'm, I'm so glad that we had you join us, Antoine. This has been a real gift. Yeah, once again, thanks for having me. Oh, man. It's been well, actually, I have a, out of curiosity, how did you guys reach out to me? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've actually been following you on Twitter for a hot minute. Oh, okay. Um, and then I ended up hearing your name again on Braving the Elements. And I was like, oh, I know him. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, let me reach out. And then I did. And so it goes. And oh, that's what's that's up. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Super neat, right? Yeah. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, where, can, where can people find all of your things? Uh, if you're looking for all of my things, uh, AntoineBandelet.com will be the best place. So that's A-N-T-O-I-N-E-B-A-N-D-E-L-E. Um, but if you're looking for just Avatar stuff, then you can go straight to my YouTube channel, um, youtube.com slash same Antoine Vandalay. Actually, if you just Google Antoine Vandalay, like pretty much all my things will show up there. Because I go pops up. I go by my name on almost everything except for Twitch, in which I'm Childish Fiasco. Nice. Cool. And you can also find us at BNB underscore pod on all the things, mm-hmm. uh, including Patreon. We love your support. Appreciate it. Um, and what else? What do we miss? Anything, Sunshine? No. This has been a lovely time. I appreciate it. Next appreciate week is being our here. finale huh. of this season. Oof. Yeah. Uh, get ready, because that is also a big episode, and we are excited. Um, but that's a, that's a wrap, y'all. I'm, I'm grateful for everybody being here, and uh, 
that's the end. Antoine, thank you again for joining us today. It's been an absolute blast. And I'm Sunshine. I'm Ben. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening.